0: Greetings, my name is Vince Williams, I'm the President and CEO of the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council. The Hashtag BuyDiverse Podcast, powered by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council, provides a voice to minority-owned businesses and entrepreneurs, as well as to corporations seeking to meet their diversity, equity, and inclusion goals strategically and intentionally. Hear the stories of certified minority-owned businesses and learn about their journeys, challenges, best practices, and successes. Also, discover Chicago MSDC's robust offerings to support business owners with certification, advocacy, connecting, and developing. Founded in 1968, Chicago MSDC is the premier organization that advances business opportunities for its certified Asian, Black, Hispanic, and Native American entrepreneurs. Contact us at www.chicagomsdc.org or bydiverse.net. This is Vince Williams, President and CEO of the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council, and you're listening to Hashtag Bydiverse, powered by Chicago MSDC. What you can expect from our podcast, first-hand success stories, business opportunities that are within the pipeline, best practices, advocacy, mentorship, how and why companies should join us. All on WGN. This interview is brought to you by W3R Consulting, an IT consulting and management company delivering enterprise solutions at the intersection of innovation and ingenuity. Learn more about W3R
1: at www.w3r.com. I grew up I grew up blessed to have a lot of strong women in my life, mm-hmm. and what they instilled in me and it was it, it was sort of what I would consider a convention. I grew up in New York, I grew up in Harlem, New York, okay, and most of my family grew up in New York City, and my grandmother was the oldest of twelve, and wow. what she did was you know it was a very small house in Charleston, South Carolina. And she was, being that she was the oldest, she was the first one to have to leave sort of the coop. (laughs) And she went in and she stayed with the family in New York and that family uh, was in the healthcare industry the, uh, the lady and husband Lady was a nurse mm-hmm. So my grandmother Became a nurse Okay Subsequently Almost every uh, And keep in mind She had uh, Out of the oldest of 12 she, There was one brother Oh wow <laughs> All girls All girls yeah. So all of the girls With the exception of one Became a nurse so very blue collar Kind of upbringing And it was a lot of all That we could just do At the time too Yes Right it was Yes It's not like we were allowed
0: To get into other professions So That's exactly mm-hmm. right
1: So she was sort of The uh, cornerstone Of this career path In nursing mm-hmm. um, So that's my mother was a social worker once again and and my and my grandmother my other grandmother on my father's side was a stay-at-home mom but was very active in um helping people get to vote interestingly enough yeah and so what they instilled in me was this this view of giving back taking care of people and being sort of servant leaders sure and that was put in me very young of sort of getting a good job, working that job Mm -hmm. and excelling within that career path. So thinking about entrepreneurship was absent to my exposure. And it wasn't until I became an adult and sort of aspiring of what I wanted to do. And to be honest with you, my career was very much focused on giving back to my community Mm -hmm. and finding a good job yeah yeah. a good job that I can make my my grandmothers and my mother proud of so my career path went from going to college identifying a career path I initially wanted to be an attorney but there were too many books so going to school and then my mother. You know, coming from a her mother having to be this sort of anchor for our family, she w- She very much said, as you start to get an adult, you're going to have to figure it out. Sure. You can't continue to stay in this house. Yeah. So I, um, I came home from school, started working at the American Museum of Natural History, which was a non-for-profit, which gave me my first exposure to the non-for-profit world. Yeah. And I realized um, working for a mission-based organization, mm-hmm allow for me to feel a passion. So uh, forgive me if I'm bouncing around, and oh, you're I'll try fine. to bring it you're all. i bring, try to bring it all together. Okay. So I initially went to school to be an attorney because I really wanted to help people. But then I discovered working my way through college that what I really wanted to do was being in a position and I can help people because I saw my grandmothers and my mothers dedicate and my aunts dedicate so much of their lives mm-hmm. to other people. And, at the point where I'm establishing my being, they were instilling in me being a servant to other people and Mm -hmm. giving back in a way that you have been blessed and God has given to you. It is required to give back. Sure. So started working at the American Museum of Natural History, just found this sort of energy about being around other people and being able to impart what I had learned and impart what I was doing in shaping their lives and creating experiences that they lived with, not just experiences that they left with. Mm -hmm. And so I started to double down as far as saying, okay, this is a space that I really want to get more involved in. So I then got involved in politics and I was appointed by at that time, a lady who was the borough president of Manhattan C Virginia fields. And she gave me a great opportunity to lead, a board that was that was sort of very strong in Harlem in the Harlem community and I was able to chair the uniform services committee and the education committee and it really got me more involved in community leadership and giving back to the community that had protected and had instilled and helped me develop who I was. So I had all of this sort of going on at the time, strong women that were telling me, this is what you, this is how you give back to the blessings that you have, that have been bestowed upon you and me trying to figure out the best way to do that. So, um, Got involved in politics, did not win. That's yeah, <laughs> all right. I, I all ran right. on Probably the, a blessing in, yeah, in disguise right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if you fast forward a little bit, 2004, 2005 timeframe, I had an opportunity. And keep in mind, I lived in New York my entire life. And at that point, 2004, 2005, I had an opportunity to meet with someone that was looking to start a non-for-profit and in Atlanta, Georgia. And his idea, which was very similar to how my upbringing was, was he wanted to give back to a city and state for what he attributed his success. Okay. The gentleman's name was Bernie Marcus. He's the co-founder of home Depot Mm -hmm. and he wanted to give the gift, the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia, an aquarium. And I was working at the American museum of natural history. He came to the museum, uh, Asked a bunch of questions. I had bounced around the museum. Saw the All work the, that you were doing. Saw the, the work areas. that I was doing. Yeah. Yes. Saw the work that I was doing and asked me to be a part of the opening team and to be a part of history. So I said, wow, I have an opportunity to take my passion for helping other peoples and shape an experience mm-hmm. for a huge number of people. So I picked up, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, started at the... Georgia Aquarium And Started off In the In the visitor services We changed the guest experience Because I really want to focus On the guest journey And the experience Once again That people were leaving with That takeaway That takeaway Because it is those experiences That you live with That you will want to replicate And you will share Yeah Okay So At the time that I was At Georgia Aquarium I was able to Shape the experience Develop The guest journey And I began to Acquire more departments, ultimately becoming the president and COO of Georgia Aquarium. And one of the most and uh-huh. one one of the most troubling facts that I discovered during my time as and as president of Georgia Aquarium, I was the only black president of a zoological organization in the United States. Wow, Georgia Aquarium was the most profitable mm-hmm. aquarium in the United States. Was the largest aquarium in North America. Voted the number one aquarium in the U S run by this black guy that had strong women that instilled servant leadership in him at a very early age.
0: That's, that's amazing.
1: And I equate that to the story of being a turtle on the fence, a turtle on a fence is you see the turtle on a fence and you know that the turtle didn't get there on its own. And I realized at that moment that everything that had, led me to that point in my life was because of what other people were willing to invest in me, the lessons they were willing to install in me and the confidence that they had in me. So in 2020, I made a very difficult decision. I knew that as I wanted to continue to reach forward, I was required to reach back and pull people back yeah, up with me. Yeah. So I retired from Georgia Aquarium and I started with the National Black NBA Association Mama. because I knew that my give back is to the community that has supported me over and over and over again. Absolutely. So I went from one nonprofit to another nonprofit to another yeah, nonprofit,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it prepared you. Right. And these are the stepping stones that we look for, um, especially as black men. Right. To mold us and to build and make sure that our foundations are solid so that as we get to these opportunities to be servant leaders and uh, showcase our capabilities, what we've learned, share best practices, the good stuff that that, that comes along with, with being a servant leader. How we do that and give it back, but the best way to do it.
1: Absolutely. And to give it back. Absolutely. It.
0: You're listening to hashtag powered by Chicago MSDC on WGN Radio 720. And we're speaking with Joe Handy, President and CEO of the National Black NBA, celebrating their 50th anniversary right here in Chicago, where it all started. This year's theme renew, refresh, and reset. Phenomenal. One of the things that we have in common, we both took over as leaders of an organization during the pandemic. Can you share with our audience what that's like?
1: You know, uh, never in my life would I have ever thought that I would see the reshaping of uh, business practices the way I have seen in this uh, this past pandemic. Yeah. I would just say 15 that. 15 months, I would say,
0: you know, we've been going through this now. Oh, my A little gosh. longer than that, 18 oh months. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Has it been that? It feels like it's been so much longer than that. Right. But I would say that I'll speak for myself. I personally had a specific view on the way business had to operate. And I'll give you an example. Initially, the idea of work from home was something that I, that I saw as temporary or part of not necessarily the sole way of operating a business. Sure. But I would say that this pandemic has really shown us that there is a way, a viable, executable way to operate a business from home. Absolutely. We have had to and here's the here's the other thing that if you could it just showcase our resilience. It definitely right? showcases you know? our resilience okay. and what it does is it showcases how much you can pivot and change when you are forced to do so if you had gone to any school system and said i need you to transform all learning to virtual learning and i need you to do that in 30 days right they would have said that is impossible we'll need we need at least 18 months to figure that out and we were able to pivot on a dime and started to educate our kids in a virtual manner. Now I will say that there has been some challenges that exist because there is disparity between different communities mm-hmm. uh, based on resources. And, and what your home life is like too, right? Yeah. I and mean, I'm sure there's a lot of other factors that
0: play into differences. Yeah. If you will, that exist.
1: Absolutely. I mean, black people had it hard already. Oh yeah. Man, and yeah. we're seeing you-
0: that from a business perspective and i you know, and that's what, I'd love for the audience to hear about, you know? Yeah.
1: So if you think about this, let's, let's, let me just use an example that, that I saw firsthand. So you have a household and that household has, has a mom and has two children Mm -hmm. and there's one computer in the household. Mm -hmm. And now mom and the two kids all need access to that computer Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. You talk about disparity as far as resources, Yeah. Whose work is more important? Yeah, yeah. Well, who's <laughs> now, keeping the lights on? Who's, who's keeping the bills? Right, yeah, so. right. But do you, do you then sacrifice your child's education? Right. So you had to deploy resources and you had to figure out how to shift and pivot. But the resiliency and the ability to pivot in tough situations like that has been part of the black family narrative mm-hmm. for years. So although it was difficult it wasn't foreign mm-hmm. and we figured out how to make it work. So once again, that just speaks to the resiliency of our community and the ability to see difficult situations and say, you know what? We can't dwell on it. We got to just figure this out. Right. Let's power through. Let's power through this. On exactly, you
0: know, what scenarios are presented with us. And I think that identifies us as, you know, black individuals, right? Yeah. You know, and how we can continue to move forward with it. The work that you've done for the nonprofit organizations translating now to the work that you are doing and are going to do with National Black MBA, what does that look like?
1: Oh, my gosh. We have so many great days ahead of us um, that we have behind us. And I am fortunate in this organization to stand on the shoulders of legacy leaders that started this organization here in Chicago over 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we are building upon that foundation, not forgetting what our purpose was, but building an organization that they themselves can be proud of. So when we look at what our trajectory is and our impact and influence on our community, it is endless right now. We are looking at the development and creating wraparound services for our entrepreneurs, because in our country, about 90% of black businesses are sole proprietorships Mm -hmm. in the sense that they are owned and operated by an individual (laughs) And sometimes those businesses don't have the ability to scale, so they may be a great accountant and have um, have the ability to provide services for someone, but right. they may not be the best at website development sure. or marketing. Yeah. So the National Black MBA Association wants to meet those businesses where they are and help them grow and help them scale. And that's just one example of what our future looks like as we start to expand our presence and we start to expand our impact. We want want to be able to meet our community where they are and be able to help them elevate and level the playing field. I love it. I love it. So that's
0: one of the reasons why I really wanted to sit down and talk with you. I think that there's some phenomenal synergies that exist between the National Black NBA and organizations like the Minority Supplier Development Council particularly the Chicago Minority Supply Development Council, because we are the premier organization. We started this 54 years ago. Wow. And so I love that now we have 23 affiliate councils. And you know, what we do is we certify these minority owned businesses. We advocate for them. We develop them. And then we connect them with these government and public and private contracts so that they can continue to scale and grow. That's great work. And so in a situation where national black MBA now is looking to, meet these entrepreneurs where they're at. Let's work more efficiently together. Utilize some of the resources and the services that we have. We're already certifying these businesses as being 51% owned and operated by black, Hispanic, Asian, or Native American. Totally. Confirmed and, and vetted. Now let's how see how we can parlay that into this. And that's the whole reset of what I think that National Black MBA is doing now, you know, I've been engaged here with the Chicago chapter for a number of years, so I love the fact that again, you guys have come home. University of Chicago is where it started at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some family members that were actually a part of that original class wow 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 <laughs> and so so this is a coming home moment for me <laughs> um, wow. and and then being you know um and my entire family also having you know that that advanced degree too is really just kind of
1: ah this it's, is powerful man it's exciting <laughs> so I'll tell you this and, and you have time yeah yeah, um, no, we can, all the time we all the time you can have five. we're here <laughs> for you <laughs> I don't I don't believe in I don't believe in coincidences yeah. and someone once told me that coincidences are God's way of staying anonymous mm-hmm. and the fact that we can you and I can sit here today and you can say something that will that can spur the idea and a thought and a vision that we can collaboratively execute on is just that's that. That's God's work. Yeah. That's God's hand in putting us together at this very moment. So I would I would love to talk more about Absolutely. how do we work collaboratively? How does National Black NBA Association headquarters, as well as our local chapter, support you and how we can develop a program that we can take the market that can benefit uh, the entrepreneurs that we're looking to serve? I love it. I love it. Yeah.
0: Some of the things that you said earlier, too, resonated so well with me as we try to identify ways to incorporate diversity, equity, inclusion into just the daily fabric of how we as businesses exist, how we as businesses are run. You and I know, right? In many cases we, we maybe were the only black yeah. on staff yet. We can't speak for the entire race. We still wanted to make sure that there was a voice. And that's what I think we can continue to expound on, you know, absolutely in the servant leadership roles. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. What I also think is God's work, if you will, or coincidence, as you were saying, you know, not, not necessarily coincidence or, or so on there. It's just how we can leverage our positions to ensure that corporations are able to identify top talent like those that are members of the National Black MBA yep. they're also able to identify entrepreneurs um what we call as minority business enterprises mm-hmm. that are top talent which mm-hmm. is what we you know they will come to us for and this speaks again to just the synergies that exist and that can continue to scale these businesses
1: absolutely absolutely you are speaking my language <laughs> I love it
0: I love it so as you look forward to Again, your mission, your vision, your drive, your passion, your ability to reset the organization, especially incorporating this new way that we have to do business, right? This conference here is is a combination of hybrid, right? In person, as well as some virtual workshops and developments. And then next week, I understand the job fair is going to be virtual as well. I run an organization uh, and I'm a part of the national it- Minority Supplier Development Council that also prides itself on in-person events, but we have to pivot. You know, yeah. this pandemic has uh, essentially disrupted the traditional way that yeah. we do business. Yeah. What's your vision for that?
1: So I would say that the, the idea of hybrid conferences is here to stay. Yeah. I would say that we have seen the benefit of and a digital conference mm-hmm. in eliminating the um, the hurdle of travel. And a lot of our HBCU students uh, uh, don't have the resources to be able to come to the conference regardless of what city it's in. But I will couple that with saying that there is something that is magical about a company um, being present at our conference and sure. a potential – candidate walking past said company and there is eye contact yeah. and now this person this candidate says this is the company that i want to be i want to spend my time talent and um with and i would say so it, there's this synergy that exists from both sides from employer looking for employee and employee looking for employer mm-hmm. and that is something that happens in person but we also have to appreciate the idea that our audience is changing and our audience is consuming and experiencing things differently. And we want to be both timeless in the sense that our conference has historically been successful yeah. and remain successful, but we also want to be timely ensuring that we are addressing and speaking to a new generation and an emerging employee pool. So, and so that's a long way to say that there is benefits that exist And there are audiences that exist both on the live side and on the digital side. And we want to make sure that we are capturing all of the talent, not just some of the
0: talent. You're casting a wider net to making sure to provide those resources for it. I like that a lot. I also like that, again, you mentioned the importance or the reality, if you will, of these companies and their commitment to supporting this diverse market of individuals that... The National Black NBA represents, yes. and then how you can connect those two together. Absolutely. To make sure that it is. That's one of the reasons why a lot of companies still continue to work with, you know, Chicago MSDC is that not only are they trying to diversify their supplies with the supply diversity in their network, they're looking for diverse talent. Mm-hmm. And how do they do that? Especially with the commitment. We realize that many minority businesses employ from the communities that they're from. Absolutely. Black, Asian, Hispanic, or Native American. That's exactly if That's right. the case. Many of the employees, if you will, that work for some of these said organizations, that's what it's going to be supporting there. Yeah. How do we keep that strong? How do we keep that support there, especially when you know that you have these major corporations that, again, can give back? It's a part of their corporate social responsibility.
1: Well, one of the things that we have to do is continue to forge forward and continue to be advocates for our community and continue to be advocates for our membership and ensuring that we're matching and creating the pipeline of uh, companies that want black talent and being able to provide black talent to them. The other thing that I would say is we need to really understand a company's culture and understand that we want companies to live beyond a hashtag So we saw this past year that a lot of companies supported hashtags because it was what was happening at that time. Absolutely. And we want to ensure that these companies are living beyond the hashtag. We want to ensure that where were you at this point and where are you now to Mm -hmm. ensure that what you're saying you want to do you're actually doing. Absolutely. So there's a, there's, so there is a awareness piece of it mm-hmm. and there's an accountability piece of it and they both have to work in tandem. Love it. I love it. So you talked about how, um,
0: you know, we as a race have had to pivot how, uh, an org- the respective organizations that you've worked for in the past, uh, how you've helped them to propel and sustain, if you will. Organization like the National Black MBA, what we're experiencing now, the change, the disruption in times, the pandemic, everything that's happening now. What do you see the future of the organization being?
1: The future is bright. I mean, we are not uh, we're not absent of black talent within our community. Technology being incorporated. With our with our digital and live conference, we are addressing some of the technological hurdles that that potentially could exist Mm -hmm. and we are we are meeting our members where they are love it love it as well as
0: uh the support that you're receiving from these corporations and from those that you know from the colleges and universities and the continued growth if you will in the chapters
1: yes we're 41 chapters strong now 21,000 members and those are those are numbers to be proud of. But those are also numbers that we want to grow because we know that the more chapters that we have and the more members that we have, the greater the impact. And as we start to form strong partnerships with our sponsors and our corporate partners, that also increases the amount of impact that we have, we can have, and that we do have within our community.
0: I love it. I love it. You also spoke earlier when we were talking uh, a little bit about the village that helped to raise you. Yes. Right. This village of strong black women. Yes. If you will. And I'm sure there's men in there as, as well that, that continue to mold you into who you are today, your faith, your commitment for our listening audience and those that are interested in learning more about your mission and vision for national black MBA. How can they reach out to you? How can they learn more about the organization? And more importantly, how can someone who's looking to support get in touch with the organization?
1: So you can reach us at nmbaa.org. That's National Black M B A Association O R G. And you can always look me up on LinkedIn. Social media. Social media yes, there. we have all of that good stuff. And that and I would just say um And that's Joe Handy, H A N D Y. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. And I would just say, just get familiar with the organization, come to our conference mm-hmm. and visit our website and see all of the good work that we've done Love it. and come on in. The water's fine.
0: Okay. <laughs> Very good. And, and for this new generation that we talked about a little bit, that's really looking to engage, reaching back, providing mentorship, co-mentoring, if you will, for this next generation that needs to come up. We know what is necessary to succeed. Right. You know, uh, I share all the time that that receiving my MBA has differentiated me from the others in the pool. Oh, absolutely. And we want to continue to stress that importance, because I think that does lead to continued growth and scalability. Mm -hmm. Right. We share at Chicago MSDC with some of the several programs that we offer that it's like
1: receiving a mini business MBA. Absolutely. And as you know, the education is something that can never be taken away. Mm hmm. If you want to make an investment in yourself, an education is the best investment that you can make in yourself because it gives you information and knowledge and fine tunes certain skills that you may have intuitively, but it allows for you to have the confidence in saying, I know this mm-hmm. and I have this degree that shows you that I know this. Mm-hmm. I've mastered. I've mastered. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs>
0: We've been speaking with Joe Handy, president and CEO of the National Black MBAA, who's hosting their fiftieth plus one, I guess, because fiftieth was actually last year, right? <laughs> but with the pandemic, uh, right here in Chicago, where it was founded at the University of Chicago business school. It's been a pleasure having you on the hashtag biodiverse podcast, learning more about what you do, your vision, your mission, your energy, your commitment to servant leadership here. Any other parting words for the listening audience?
1: I would just say, once again, I really appreciate the time that you've given me to speak to your audience. Um, I am thankful and privileged to be here today and thankful and privileged to be a part of what is an amazing, incredible, impactful organization. So once again, thank you so much. Phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you for your
0: leadership. We're looking forward to uh, some more great things that you're going to continue to do. A successful conference here in Chicago. We hope that you will come back just because you're down in Atlanta and you know, and y'all got weather good <laughs> yeah. all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen. We, we still got some good stuff here, and you know about the cold winters if you're yes, from New York, absolutely, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm not scared. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Again, you've been listening to Hashtag biodiverse, powered by Chicago MSDC on WGN Radio 720. Again, we've been listening to Joe Handy, President and CEO of the National Black NBA Association, Joe. Thank you again.
1: Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of the day.
0: Appreciate it. You've been listening to Hashtag Buy the Verse, powered by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council on WGN Radio. www.chicagomsdc.org.